This is episode 29 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. Hello and welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, where we discover the art of getting older without getting old. This is episode 29. The changing demographics will create different challenges for housing than what we have seen in the past. So many more of us are either disconnected or displaced from our roots of origin. Many of us are forced into taking on the challenges of living alone without the benefit of strong family support. According to the American Bureau of Census, so many more of us are living alone than had happened in the past. And this brings about another set of challenges that can affect the health and well-being of all of our citizens, not just our older folk. In episode 17 of this podcast, we explored the concept of co-housing as one of the alternatives to address these kinds of problems. If you have not yet heard that episode and are interested in these kinds of solutions, I suggest you go back to listen to that after you have finished this episode. There are information there for you as well. But in today's episode, we explore the concept of sharing homes or Put another way, living with a housemate as a way of relieving many of the housing concerns that we have as the years pass by. After being introduced to the concept, I'm finding it very intriguing as a solution to a number of housing issues that we may face. So today I'm talking with Anna Marie Pluhar, who has been exploring this concept for most of her adult life. She has captured most of her experiences and her process for finding a housemate in a book that she has written, which serves as a guide for finding and keeping good housemates. Look for information about this book on the show notes page for this episode. Anna Marie also maintains a website chock full of information and resources about sharing housing. After listening to the podcast, Visit the episode's show note page for additional information on this topic, her book, and many of the things we mentioned in our conversation today. And of course, you can find the show notes page at the usual place. The URL for the show notes page for this episode is innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA29. And while you are there, be sure to subscribe to the Insiders Club to get access to even more information and to help spread the message of growing older without growing old. We are planning for the Insiders Club to play a more active role in the brand of the inner game of aging. Announcements will be forthcoming, but in the meantime, don't miss out. Subscribe to the Insiders Club on the website to get updates on what's happening here for you. And with all of that out of the way, we now turn to our conversation with Anna Marie Pluhar.
Anna Marie Pluhar, can you pronounce your last name for me? Pluhar. 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 Okay, thank you. You have become involved in a topic that me and my listeners have become very interested in. I've done previous episodes on a variety of housing arrangements, most notably co-housing, which is a little bit different than the concept that you are involved in. So I'm, I want to pick your brains and have you teach me as much as you can squeeze into this head about what this whole area of sharing housing is all about. How long have you been exploring this option? Well, uh, as, as an effort... As an advocate, I've been exploring it for six years, but it started for me with the fact that I actually shared housing from, and continue to share housing for most of my adult life, and I wrote a book mm. called Sharing Housing, a Guidebook for Finding and Keeping Good Housemates. Great. I'll have that in my show notes. <laughs> it actually, it, docu- it documents a process for how do you go from the idea, maybe I should have a housemate, to actually living with somebody. And it, it's the process that I developed for myself that I realized made me feel safe. Hmm. And it was effective and saved a lot of time. So, when so I, you've, been, you've been you know, sharing housing for how many years now? Oh, for crying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Plus. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're extremely familiar with, you know. I lived in shared housing before I went to college, during college, after college. Good, good. Okay. Um, not during graduate school, post-graduate school. Good. Um, then And then later in a number of different places. Part of the reason I realized that I developed a process is that at one point in my life, I was living in a house that's a three bed, four bedroom house. And um, I decided I wanted to do short term temporary rentals. Mm-hmm. And that was anywhere from two weeks to six months. And so because they were short term, this was before Airbnb came around. Mm hmm. I got really efficient at using this process and fine-tuning it, honing it, so that um, the people who moved in would be compatible enough with me that would be comfortable living together. Cool. Um, Well, then you've had a lot of experience. I'm about to dig into that experience and the process that you're referring to. So let's say, well, can you define... You know, just generally, I'm sure we all have some idea, but define what the concept sharing housing is all about. Just a general overall term, you know, concept that we can use. For me, I am advocating that people have what I call a home mate. And that would be somebody that you like and respect, whose way of living at home is compatible enough with yours that everybody is comfortable. And so it could be two, three, four people. But the idea is that you're living in a single family house or apartment with a common kitchen, some common living areas, and people have their private spaces, whether it's just a bedroom or whether it's a bedroom plus bathroom plus sitting. Mm -hmm. I don't, it 
changes depending sure. on you. Sure. So uh, now you can share housing as a house owner, a house or apartment owner, or you can share housing as someone who's looking for a house. Or yeah, you know. have okay. you been on both sides of that fence? I have been on both sides of the fence, and the way I describe it is: there's the householder uh-huh. and the home seeker. Ah, okay. So those are the terms I should use. <laughs> I spent some time scratching my head for how do I how do I describe the difference? Because of course the difference is that the householder has already a space, hmm. and they know where it is, and they probably have it populated with a few things, and so on and so forth. Whereas the home seeker is making decisions about where they want to live and how much they're willing to spend and what kinds of things they want in a space. Space. Mm-hmm. So they have different requirements or they're looking at different things. And yeah. But ultimately, the, home, the house owner and the home seeker have to find something, you know, largely compatible between them in order to. So they're r- arriving at from different spots to the same point together just to conclude that they can live together. But I can imagine, as you were indicating, that the process of arriving at that spot would be extremely different for both of them. You know, so. Well, it's different in terms of how they get ready. What's the same is what makes for compatibility. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. let's let's back up with how they get ready then. Um, if I were interested in sharing my apartment or home, what would I have to know? Well, what space are you going to make available to that other person? Mm-hmm. What 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 are you renting out? In other words, are you renting out one room, two rooms? Which are the right rooms to make? Uh, okay. As the other thing that needs to happen is that you, as the householder, have to be prepared to empty <laughs> that space that you're going to rent out. And this is one of the things that I think is often a, a little stumbling block for people. I've been thinking about it a lot lately, actually. That. Um, if we are of a certain age and we're thinking that we'd like to have somebody who's also of a certain age, hmm. that person is going to have things, hmm. stuff. Now, yes. they're not going to be able to move a household full of things into the home seek, the householder's house. Mm-hmm. But they certainly should be able to move in a bedroom worth of stuff yep in yep the, so the householder needs to think about what's the right space to rent out with you know and yep. um how about some, common areas common areas for example and, kitchen bathroom you know we have to be able well, to make f- arrangements for these as well well ki- kitchens are going to be shared by mm-hmm. definition and then the question so the householder needs to think about what he or she wants in a shared housing arrangement. What must they have? What can't they live with? Interesting. But the thing has to happen on the home secret side because those questions, what must I have, what can't I live with, are fundamental. Hmm. 
if you I can can't imagine. live with it, you cannot live with it. So you better know ahead of time what those things are so that you don't end up in an unhappy situation. So I tell a story. I was being interviewed on the radio mm-hmm. by a woman who said, when I got divorced, I decided I'd like to live in a group home. I thought that would be interesting. And she said, I found this place, and I went for the interview, and I fell in love with the house and with the location, and I thought it would be great. And I noticed dirty dishes in the sink, but I thought, oh, I can live with that. Hmm. Shortly, six months later, she was moving out because she could not live with dirty dishes in the sink, and she knew that about herself. But she didn't take it as enough of a warning sign because what happens, I mean, if she had said at the get-go to this people, well, maybe I'll come for the interview. I can't live with dirty dishes in the sink. Is that, is that something that happens in your household? And they had said yes. She would have said, okay, never mind. And she would hmm. never have fallen in love with that house. Yes. She yes. Need- on down that road. So must, ha- and then you see the other thing that happens then is once she's moved in, she begins to feel like she has a right to have things the way she likes them. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay? So that's why it's so important that people get clear ahead of time. Now, a lot of this, a lot that. of this means that we have to know ourselves. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um, knowing ourselves in this process and knowing who we are and what we tolerate easily and what we don't tolerate easily becomes extremely important to make these kinds of evaluations. So I would imagine, Anna-Marie, that it is the older crowd that could answer these questions safely more so than the younger crowd who may not have enough experience to even know who they are. So, Excuse me? Yes, that's right. Okay, so the bad situations that can happen here might tend to float toward the younger ages who may not know themselves. So, well, no, I think that it can also happen to older people who haven't thought these things through. Okay, I mean, the obvious things are smoking and pets and alcohol and drug use. Those things people talk about, right? Sure. And those are kind of obvious. But dirty dishes in the sink might not be until you stop right. think about it. Because one of the things that happens is that we are all self-centered in the sense that we expect, or we without without another experience or so mm-hmm. stepping up, the way we live is the way everybody else lives, right? <laughs> Now, you had an unusual request for someone in a previous conversation I had with you. Um, Some people might think it's strange that anyone you live with, the requirement is no television. I I thought that was it. That was my, um, that's actually how I kind of began to formulate how important this must pass and can't live with is um, or are. Mm -hmm. and it comes from an, the, the, an era pre-internet when I was living in shared housing. Mm-hmm. And it would have an ad, and the ad would always say no TV. And that was because I don't like TV. Mm-hmm. I just don't like being around it. My first, Actually, the first year I was in that apartment, I had two housemates who did like TV and watched TV. 
And I would come home, and they'd be sitting in the living room, and they'd be like, hi. And that was, like, not why I lived with housemates. Mm-hmm. So no TV became a, a um, can't live with in my life. Interesting. And, and the result of it was that it clarified pretty quickly who could and who couldn't live with us. Yep. And, no TV, and the, you know, there are a lot of people we never heard from. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> six or seven we would hear from, and one of them who did move in later said to me, when I saw that in the ad, I was like, oh, I can live there. <laughs> so the importance in that is that by clarifying your must-haves and can't live with, you're actually signaling to the universe, like, bring me the people who fit me. Yeah, yes. Right? <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's not a real estate ad. You know, mm-hmm. put it together what your requirements are for a housemate is very different. From a okay. So understanding our what we can live with, what we can sometimes bend, and, you know, what we can't live with, that becomes important. But that's just... From my, from what I can see here, that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what must go on here. Get two people together that will be compatible. It's although it may be a very important first step. I'm sure it goes beyond that. Yeah. Notice that in my definition about homemade, I say you have to like and respect each other. Hmm. There has to be something, and that's a gut. That's a gut feeling you get. Mm-hmm. But. Beyond that, I will say that how you live at home, the compatibility there is really about eight, maybe nine issues Ah. or areas, not areas. And what might these be? And I know this list very well. Cleanliness, (laughs) neatness, kitchen use, routines, guests, Tasks, noise, by which I mean TV, radio, mm-hmm. etc., bills, and then if there are pets, pets. Okay, um, that's a pretty extensive list. I can see a lot of nooks and crannies in that list. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, let's... But that's the basics. It doesn't have to do with politics. It doesn't have to do with personality style. It doesn't have to do with um, night person versus day person. But uh, don't those things come into effect in some manner? Routine. Ah, yeah. Well, let's talk about routines. What do we look for? If I'm going to look for compatible routines between two people, what what am I going to look for? You just mentioned one, night versus day people. Yeah. But but this is where it's so individual. Hmm. Because, I mean, you could say, hey, I'm a night owl, and um, I only want to live with night owls. Yep. Or you could say, I'm a night owl, and I only want to live with morning people. Very different. But that's, that's a preference. Sure, sure. So, so routines, some of the things that do and don't work. Um, if... When you move in, when you agree to the shared housing relationship, Mm -hmm. and one person is going out to an office five days a week, that's a routine 
and it will it could work very well with a retired person or a work at home person who's mm-hmm. like great that person's gone i've got my space yes what happens when that person retires move it's out a <laughs> um other things so i've had people i mean some people love routines where they it caused they the two housemates never see each other mm-hmm I love that. Others can't stand that, and they want a routine where three nights a week they share share a meal and exchange cooking for each other. Cool. It's I can I can see the flexibility here. Okay. So individual. There's no there's no cookie cutter here, and that's why it's a little tricky. <laughs> so let me talk about two of the other things you mentioned in that list. Just let me hear what you have to say about them. In the area of tasks, what do we look for for compatibility or non-compatibility? Well, what we're looking for is clarity and agreement. So I didn't say that before. We mm-hmm. want clarity about what they are and agreement about how they're going to be handled. Okay? So what are the tasks of maintaining a home? Mm. There's Vacuuming, there's dusting, there's mowing lawns, there's taking trash out, there's compost, there's cleaning the kitchen floor, there's there's this range of tasks. That's right. How that gets done, are they splitting it up? I've had people I've interviewed say to me, it's my house. I don't expect the other person to clean the common rooms. I'm going to do that. Those are my things. That's That's I the preference. That's a preference. I've mm-hmm. had other people say, oh, yeah, we, we've got a chore wheel, and we choose it. I've had other people say, it just sort of evolves. We, we gravitate to the thing we like to do, and then we kind of notice if something's not getting done, and we figure out who's going to do it. You now, know, it's, it's, I'm listening to this. Who's to say what will and won't work? It's very individualized, as you're saying. You know. Yeah, I'm saying it's very individualized. So, I do have some principles for building housing. And um, I basically, I think there are four principles for living well with others. Mm -hmm. First one is deep, but gets used very casually. And that's the golden rule. Doing unto others as they would have them do unto you or treating other people as you would want them to treat you is a universal of all religions. Of course, but there's a a difficulty there with that because many of us don't see ourselves in how we treat others. Okay, exactly. And we're not aware, we're not self-aware to know when we are violating unconsciously, not through our desire and intent. So... And we have lots of people like that around us. So, the second principle (laughs) is do it while it's easy. And that's my personal one. And what it means is that if you're experiencing something that's not happy, Mm -hmm. that you don't like, you have to speak up about it right away while it's it's easy, while it's a little thing before Mm -hmm. you before you start chewing on it and getting upset about it and so I agree. I agree. And so if it's something so 
another story. Uh, this one's in my book because I found it while I was interviewing. Um, so the woman of the house, it was a family, and she had a husband who was traveling a lot, and so she they decided that they would like to have another person living in the house. So they invited somebody to be a housemate. Mm-hmm. And everybody liked it, and everything was working really well, except for the fact that the woman of the house found that every time she went to use a particular storage container in the kitchen, it was being used by the housemate. And it was annoying to her, and it got to be a thing inside her. Oh, And finally... She said something to this housemate about about it, and the housemate looked at her and said, "Oh, I'll go buy my own." That's a simple solution. Simple solution. And so there's a thing about in that story for me about do it while it's easy, mm-hmm. instead of turning it into an internal drama. Say something. And then the other piece is that, because we're living by the golden rule, Mm -hmm. the other person says, okay, I can adapt, because I want you to feel comfortable in this house, too. And that's why it's so important that before people move in with each other, they have a thorough conversation about those dimensions, that they're clear about what they mean, and they have an agreement about how they're going to manage. Now, this is very, very interesting, interesting, Anna-Marie. I had this theory as a younger man that you cannot judge a relationship with another person until you have an argument. That is the only time you can really judge a relationship. For me, anyone who I hook up with must be able to argue to resolution. I may, argue may not be the right word there, but to see a problem and to approach that problem with, a, with a, a mindset of resolution, not a mindset of problem, and to work, be willing to work for that solution. When people come together, there's always going to be conflict, even with two, the two most compatible housemates. And to, so one of, as you're talking, I realize that one of my requirements and I have no idea how I would test this is that we conflict with the idea to resolution not to label or you know or to create problems right. because yeah you know, I'm very very big on that I have no idea how I would test for that because as I said as a younger man the only way I know the person who the person really is is only after they get angry at me then I know who that person really is I'm not going to have someone who's looking to share my house or vice versa. Yeah, I'm not going to irritate him just to judge who he is and how I can live with him. (laughs) I have an idea for you. Ah, interesting. It comes from one of the people I interviewed who said she would never invite somebody to live in her house whom she hasn't done something hard with. Hmm. A similar kind of thing. I mean, what you're saying is you want to know what the character of the person is. And yes. And how to manage stress and conflict. Yes, yes. So, and I've been thinking about this. So how do you do something hard with somebody on purpose, you know, that it can <laughs> be hard? Well, I have a very dear friend who would say, go play golf. <laughs> golf is hard? 
Golf, <laughs> golf reveals the character of the person. And I mean, if you don't play golf, it doesn't work. So that's yeah. like, that's, I, I give, I let that one go. Yeah. The, okay. In other words, find something in common to do with with this person. I think that's what you're suggesting. Yes. You know, try to get involved in this person on a an, in some situation outside of the house. But even then, you know, you can come off as perfectly charming. But when you find irritation inside of yourself, that can change your entire personality. Well, I, you know, here here's the thing: when you go for a job interview, somebody might look at you and say. How do you tell me a story about how you handled conflict? Yes, there's an avenue. There's an avenue, and so I, I, you know, I, knowing that this is a must-have on your part. Yes, I would think that that would be a really important question to ask. I could spend the whole day in the golf course discussing how we handle <laughs> conflict. <laughs> so I, I don't play golf, and neither do I. Uh, <laughs> I think golf people would immediately get why that's why this is why I say that. Okay, um, but conflict is, for example, is a very handling conflict, not conflict itself. I like to minimize conflict, and I believe, for example, I believe that understanding takes a lot more work than misunderstanding. Absolutely, you know, and if if we're willing to go through that work, we can understand ourselves to solution rather than blame and and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah. These are extremely important concepts to me. Yeah, yeah um, I agree that it's very important, and I think it's the thing people are so worried about. Yes, yes. Yeah. As I'm listening to you, thinking, putting myself in a situation, this is the thing I would w- most want to avoid: living with a person who flares and flails in the face of conflict, doesn't speak up, or retreats, or you know, or gets aggressive or takes away all safety in the conversation. Right. And so, um, you know, this would be extremely important to me, and I'm not exactly sure. I, although you've just given me some ideas here now how I might test for such a thing. But, um, yeah, you know. About some other kind of, quote, hard things one might want to sort of set mm-hmm. up. Um, it, might, it might be some activity. Um, I do know various people who now share housing who traveled together and they said, Oh, well, if we could do that, we can, we can live together. But yeah. I don't necessarily think that that's a good test because living with somebody, you can have totally independent lives and traveling with somebody, you have very dependent lives. Yeah. So, you're sort of dependent on each other. Yes. And so, but, but the conflict, you know, how a person manages conflict or communication. Is, yes, communication. You can wrap the whole thing in the, in a way of communication. You know, so, yeah. As Andy said in, in, in my blog post, and by the way, my website is sharinghousing.com. Yes, we'll get all, I'll have all that on the show notes page for my listeners because I want them to explore your website. There's a number of resources there. Some of the worksheets we'll talk about, hopefully. And so, before we get to that, can you, you mentioned in that list of eight, you mentioned bills. Tell us a few words on how that might typically be handled in in your experience and how you've seen things, especially from both sides of the fast, the homeowner and the house seeker. Well, I think I think money should be clean, by which I mean there should be no money owing to either person at any point. 
okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and that um, when the home seeker <coughs> moves in, that person should be prepared to spend a chunk of change so that it's first, depending on what the laws are locally, different laws, mm-hmm. states required to allow for different things, but first month, last month, security deposit. That's a big chunk of money. Yep. <clears throat> but I think it's fair for the householder to ask for it because, after all, they're giving this person a key to the house. Mm. Okay? So it's okay. an exchange. That money in exchange mm-hmm. for the key. And in the conversation that's part of, are we going to live together? Um, a statement from the householder about when the money is expected. Hmm. And I also think that the householder should not try to um, do separate bills from utilities. I think the hmm. householder should work through what's the rent with everything included. Ah, so okay. Asking for one payment a month. And these days, you can do direct deposit. Yep. So That would be a really nice way to handle it. There's also all kinds of electronic ways now. To- so I think you answered one question of mine. If, if the homeowner has one bill that represents internet connection, food, perhaps, if he's depending on the arrangements they've made for food, you know, because you can also get into an arrangement where one person does all the cooking, the other person does yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, I actually would take food out of that one. Okay. Uh, now, mm-hmm. that, now that you've said that out loud. Um, okay. I, because food is so variable mm-hmm. in terms of how much and what it costs and, yes. you know, and who shops where. So that's when housemates start eating together or choose to eat together, that's also a conversation about tastes and preferences. You know? Yes, yes. We may say, oh, yes, we'd love to live together (laughs) and eat together, but one person's really like, I only eat organic and I never eat meat, and the other person is... Um, I eat meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and most people know about paying attention to that. But choosing, you know, do you buy, I have this with my own homemate right now. Do mm. you always buy all the generics? Or do you mm. buy brand name because you think it's a better quality? Are, are you willing to pay the difference? You know, that sort of stuff. So yes. I put outside of that equation because it adds complexity a lot. But I've certainly electricity, internet, heat, um, gas, if there's natural gas. Mm-hmm. Um, Your suggestion would be roll all of those things into one number. And over a year. Over a year. You look at your, that's one in one of my worksheets because I had one person who figured out what she was going to ask for rent and totally forgot about the winter heating bill. That's right. She probably did it in the summertime, went yeah. to the wintertime and realized things were not being paid for. <laughs> so, And it's really bad to have to go back and change something. Yes, I can imagine. Now, one of the things, again, I'm just thinking of putting myself into these positions that you're talking about and trying to 
see some of the things I might ask for or require if someone were to come into my home or even me go into someone else's home. And I'm hoping that a lot of the people can benefit from the questions I'm asking. One of the things I might suggest as an arrangement is that on a regular basis, let's say a monthly basis, just to pick a number, that we sit down and specifically talk, have an arrangement, a date, where we talk about how the arrangement is working and how it can be improved. And that that happens on a regular basis. Is that a reasonable thing to say? Absolutely. Okay. And it's probably more necessary at the beginning of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I would even it's not in my book, but I would even suggest that um, there's such an agreement at at a, the week marker. At the, the week marker. At the week when it first starts off. When it first starts. Yeah. The first week is always uncomfortable. It mm-hmm. just is. You're you're sort of figuring out how you're going to be together in the space and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I have a chapter that's called the first week in my book because it's so clearly—it's so clearly a phase. Mm-hmm. And I think that ha- knowing that there's going to be a time that you're going to sit down and sort of say, "How's it working?" with each other might actually make it easy to do it while it's easy to yes. change yes. stuff like okay. that. Okay. But then as the relationship grows, it can st- the period of time where you review things can be extended, I would imagine. Yeah, so, and, and uh, it's easier, you know? Yep, yep. It does get easier as you continue. Because you're also honing the communication. You know, two people living together, I don't care what the relationship, whether you are ships passing through the night or eat together on a daily basis, communication is still key in both of those situations. And learning how to communicate is part of that perhaps weekly review situation. Yes, uh, you know what? I didn't finish my principles. That, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm anxious. I'm just asking a lot of questions, distracting you. <laughs> the rule is the first one. The second one is do it while it's easy. The third one is your room is your own. Hmm. That's important. It's really important. That, that the fact that you pay rent for the, uh, the home seekers paying rent for space and when the door is closed to that space, the, it should be inviolate. They get to be alone in their space and not disturbed. Hmm. And what happens in their room doesn't matter unless it impinges on the mm-hmm. household, like noise or crumbs left around that are bringing ants. I know one group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually came up with this when I had a housemate who was an un believable slob in his room and every now and then he, i i would see the door would be left ajar and i would see and i would go oh my god and then i'd go it's his own i have no business saying anything he was fabulous about the kitchen and the living room he always picked up after himself etc mm-hmm. own room was ghastly and interesting but I think that people who share housing have to feel that they can have that kind of privacy. Hmm. Interestingly enough, um, I have friends who own a house together, owned a house together, three of them, and we were talking, and they have the same pattern. That oh. if the door was closed, they were not open to visiting. But if they left their door ajar, it was okay to come and knock and visit. Okay. Right, I mean, so that's that's a reasonable policy, you know. If it's if it's firmly closed, don't come around. If it's 
and, you know, if it's just blocking your view and it's cracked open a little bit, feel free to knock. And yeah. so yeah. now the fact that the only thing that can happen, you know, the thing that happens in the room is totally up to the room owner at this point in time, not up to the house owner. Um, what sort of dangers could happen from that? Why would a, home- a homeowner be nervous about making that kind of arrangement. He, his fears could be something dangerous could be happening into the room or something like that. You know, like people proceed with their fears. And if I am going to block off a room for someone else's access and not even know what goes on in that room, that's good. That could strike insecurity in a few people, but yet it is a reasonable it's a reasonable request. The reason for making that request is perfectly understandable. You're going to rent out some space. It should be your private domain, yeah, and not available for anyone else outside of yeah. So, but but I can imagine the homeowner feeling nervous about giving that. Um, feeling nervous about giving that is uh, yeah. How do you deal with that nervousness from from a homeowner who understands it but still feels nervous about it? I, I think that has to do with the quality of the relationship then, right? Okay. Um, I it is true that same that same householder the the wife of the family I was telling you about mm-hmm. in her case she really didn't want to have the door closed like that. Oh. She feel like the room was part, still part of her house. Oh. She made that request of her housemate and her housemate was fine with it. But so- I that many people need to feel the comfort of having privacy in their own space. I would. So I would say, respectfully say to householders um, that this is a piece of letting go. Now, again, you're raising such interesting, you know, questions in my mind. You You can, again, not know yourself and realize that the person you're living with is an independent soul has may or may not have anything to do with your life. They come and go as they please, and your reaction to that may not be good. Or you can sit down, you know, have a someone sharing the house who wants to have meals every day together, and your reaction to that may be good. Again, we have to know ourselves. Yes, well, that's exactly you have to know yourself. That's why you have to have clarity and agreement on kitchen routines. I can. Don't we change over time, though? You know, my need for independence may be strong at one year, but not strong the next. Yeah. Um, and so, knowing my knowing who I am today, I'm making arrangements which could be long term, several years. Knowing who I am today could be different than who I am next year. Well, and, what I would hope is that. Um, as the relationship develops, your home mate relationship develops mm-hmm. with your open communication mm-hmm. uh, that you can easily navigate these kind of issues those waters okay yeah again you're right it all comes down to intelligent communication you know so which is one of the biggest requirements I have, intelligent communication. So, um, Now, on your site, you have many, many resources on your site that would help this process. First of all, did you have, you've covered four principles here. Um, no, 
I haven't done the fourth one yet. Okay, please. <laughs> I want to make sure those are covered because they sound important. The fourth one is really much more for younger people, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, I call it the incest taboo. Taboo? Yeah, the incest taboo. Okay. <laughs> I, I know, it makes everybody laugh. Yes. And it actually comes from a former homemate who's asked, who said to me at our interview, um, and we have an incest taboo, right? And I kind of looked what? at him, and I went, uh, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so... Well, it was explain so, this. It, you are living with somebody, and it is not okay to start sleeping with them. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, that changes everything around. As soon as you start sleeping with them, you are in a couple, married couple relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and for the younger people, um, this I can't tell you the number of times I've read things on the on the web about. Well, you know, one thing led to another, and mm-hmm. now I don't know what he thinks about me. I can't look at him in the kitchen, so it invariably it means that the house is going to break up. Yeah, yeah, I can, so, I can see that. So I, I think it's kind of it's a principle because I think that it's very good for men and women to live together, and that often mm-hmm. a man and a woman. Or people who are interested in, you know, how do I say it right? To gay oh, I think I think I can help you out here. Uh, I, you know, my best friend has been a woman for many, many years now. I'm I'm married, been married forty six, but my best friend has been a woman. The the opposite gender friendship is no mystery. It should be accepted a bit more normal than it has been in, in our culture. And for two people of opposite genders to or even the same gender, for that matter, to um, to start a sexual relationship in the middle of a business relationship can always complicate things. Yeah. And so the roommates that's trying to be formed is first and foremost a business relationship. You're paying someone to live in the, in the space that you're, you know, and to turn that into a emotional relationship has got to complicate that. Yeah, yeah, even if it's not a emotional one, if it's just a sexual one, it's still a complication that could easily backfire. Now you easily backfire, and the other reality is that if you like and respect your homemate, you're gonna you're gonna develop a different kind of respect, intimacy, you know, a mm-hmm. knowledge of each other. That's and right. I. I at one point, as I've been talking about this, I was told the story of um, two young people who were living in a group house in Boston, mm-hmm. and they took a shine to each other. And they were mm-hmm. like, oh, and she moved out so that they could date. Ah, wise. <laughs> very wise. They're married now. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, you can't, there's, there's no dating. Yeah, yeah. I can, see where that, I can see where that would complicate things. Right. Now, now, can you imagine bringing help somebody else home? <laughs> <laughs> but, again, you know, like, 
this I would have to I would have to spend a lot of time with anyone who I shared the house with because routines, tasks, bills, just some of the things that you've mentioned here. Some of these things you've mentioned a list of eight that are fairly simple and generic on the surface, but get down to some very detailed nooks and crannies about who we are and what we want. Mm-hmm. So, um, how about? Is there any other principles that I want to know about? Nope those those are the four. I'm sure you'll come up with more. You're you're no, still working on this. <laughs> Those are the four because because I think the the first two cover quite a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. And yep. being able to live by the golden rule is something that a lot of people have forgotten in this world we live in. Unfortunately, I can't disagree with you. I'd love to be able to, but I can't. So <laughs> now. Moving on to your website, the resources there. I've checked out the resources there. You, one, you've written a book. The book is is sold at Amazon and on your website, and possibly I will have an affiliate link to it on my website as well. And um, but you also offered some worksheets that step us through the process and put us in mind of some of the things we need to take care of these. Can you describe these worksheets? I, th- I thought it, they were very valuable. Can you describe them, please? Well, the, they actually were all created initially with the book. So at mm-hmm. the end of every chapter in the book is a worksheet. And so the, the book is not in an eight and a half by 11 format. And I thought they wouldn't be very easy to work with. So I put them on the website so that people can find them. And they cover such things as must-haves and can't-live-withs. They ask Mm -hmm. people to think about what, as they start out, what do they want? What are they worried about in terms of sharing housing? Mm. Um, There's a worksheet for paying attention to one's own routines, so that Mm -hmm. the time as you... um, you look at your, you look, you get to know what your own routines are because yep. I think that most of us are like, oh yeah, that's my, I know what my routine is, but <laughs> writing it down makes it clearer and easier. Yep, it does. Um, there's a worksheet for figuring out a household expenses. There's a worksheet for figuring out the home seeker kind of where they want to live. There's a worksheet for working on an ad. There's a worksheet. Or perhaps I can perhaps I can just to give my listeners a better idea, perhaps I can show one or two of these worksheets on my show notes page for this episode, just to give an, the listeners an idea of the sort of exercises that we might have to go through to make sure that we're yeah, doing the right thing here. But you've been involved in this area for so long, you know, like things can go wrong. What sort of things have you seen go wrong? It doesn't always go right. People are not always operating the best, making the best decisions for themselves. You know? Uh, yeah. So I've seen people decide that they don't need to check references. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yes, that's my reaction, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I'm a good judge of character, ba 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 ba, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. So, checking <laughs> references is really critical. And the way I talk about references, it's less about um, like background check, although mm-hmm. you may want to do that kind of thing, credit check, mm-hmm. check like they do, like a, a a rental office would do. 
Yep. I think the references are about verifying income. Mm-hmm. Talking to a work supervisor. Um, mm-hmm. And, or a bank, maybe. Um, and then check, talking to people who know the person, who maybe lived with the person. That would be the best. Um, but there are people... You'd have to get that information from the person himself, though. Of course. Okay. And so... Absolutely. Um, mm. and, that's, and they should not be bothered by that. Okay. Um, and so, you know, sometimes they don't have somebody that they've lived with because they've been, you know, they're, they're a widow and they always lived in their family, but they know mm-hmm. people around them. Yep. And the idea is to talk to people who know this person and known this person for a while. Okay. And even the fact of asking for references is the beginning of some interesting things because yeah, I can, I can see know, somebody says, "Oh, I don't have," you know, you know, well, I don't know. Um, that should be a question mark for you. And if somebody gives you references and they've only known the person for six months, hmm. that should be an indicator to you. I mean, okay, at age, most of us. Probably have people who say that they've known us for 10, 15, 20, 40 years, right? Some of us do, yes. <laughs> uh, a certain age. So, um, you know, so the first level of reference check is, in fact, getting references. Yeah, okay. One is talking to the reference, and, you know, you just, you have an honest conversation. So, Sure. So references references are one way to try and stop some of the or try and halt some of the the negatives that could possibly happen here. Um, it's it's a way to make sure that somebody somebody is the person that they say they are. That's right. Now, after you've checked references, things can still go bad. For example, you guys may not communicate in a way that's compatible to you. You know, it's funny. I've, I recently went across this personality test that identified slow talkers and fast talkers. And, you know, fast talkers never mind being interrupted. They, they, they don't, they're not bothered when people interrupt them. Fast talkers, excuse me, slow talkers are feel it's rude to be interrupted or to interrupt. And I was reading an article about how to how these two get along or more specifically don't easily get along unless they communicate well. And so those sort of differences, fast talker, slow talker, that tend to in you know, get involved in the sort of relationship, the quality of relationship that hap- that unfolds there. These things are still difficult to determine. You know, I'm a fast talker. Interrupting me is never a problem. <laughs> In fact, that's the only way you can get through. <laughs> um, so what I would say about that is the process that I am rec- that the book is written, the, pro- the way I wrote the book, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. using the process that I always used, which was basically about getting a stranger and then, ha- you know, and, and filtering a stranger. Mm-hmm. And a very important first level of the screening process is a telephone conversation. Yep. yep. With a person. And 
having a telephone conversation with the person is a gut check about yep. whether you like this person, whether you have a good feeling about this person. Um, and so some of the kinds of things you're talking about, I think would show up there for a person. Yep, I think it would. There's just... Just <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's really important that the ha- homemate who you agree to live with is somebody you like and respect. That's right. That's right. That's I can gotta start there. Now, as as we're talking, a number a number of things are just flooding into my head. You know, if you work in corporate America, you become familiar with a way of assessing other people, your superiors, your subordinates, et cetera, et cetera. A principle called DIS, D-I-S-C. It's a personality assessment situation that really focused on communication styles more than more than personality types, and. So people with one kind of profile would tend to get along or not get along with people of another type. I don't know if this is a valid way of assessing the people that you're entertaining living with. You know, I know I tend to get along with high Ds in the case of discs, using that terminology. I tend to get along with high Ds and high Is. I understand them since I tend to reflect that kind of situation. I tend to be curious and sometimes negatively curious about, you know, high Ss and high Cs, you know. If, if my listener doesn't know what we're talking about between D-I-C-S, it's a, it's a personality evaluation tool that's used in corporate America quite a bit and helps people communicate by understanding the styles of other people. And so, um, and so these sort of tests and assessments can also be used to, in evaluating your potential roommate. Is that a possibility? How, does that, how might that work? I don't know. I've actually mm-hmm. been asking myself the same question recently. Interesting. <laughs> uh, whether Myers Briggs or Disc or there's a number of, of them. Yeah, there's a number of them. Be useful under the circumstances. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. No, I I can I can, it's yeah, again, as we're talking here, I'm I'm thinking of all these nooks and crannies and possibilities and putting you on the spot. <laughs> what I did with I created a compatibility assessment. Ah, okay. Tell me about this. And the compatibility assessment is sixteen questions, thirteen of which are multiple choice. And they ask a basic question about each of those areas that I gave you the list for. Mm-hmm. And it's not rocket science. It's not like, oh, my no. God, it's regulatory, new stuff. Um, no. Because what happens is you get your own answers emailed to you. But if you buy the assessment, you also get three tokens. And you can give a token to somebody else so that they can take the assessment for free. Hmm. Okay. Cool. And, and then that person gets their answers in email. And the idea is that both people print out their answers and they get together and they have a face to face conversation. And the first question, you know, is about cleanliness. And they say, Yep. 
you know, well, what did you say to number one? And, <laughs> and the other person says, oh, I said D. And they go, uh-huh. hmm, well, what did you mean by, right? Okay, um, okay. And this is, I have watched this process. It's amazing about how it helps people delve into the nooks and crannies, as you call it. Yeah, and yeah. Discover whether or not they, like, go, oh, yeah, and, you know, oh, yeah, I got B2. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it allows them to quickly skip over the areas where they feel compatibility oh, and start fleshing out the areas where there's... They could talk some more about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the routines piece, the guests piece. I mean, people are very different about guests in their home. Oh yes, pets, guests. You know, um, you know, entertaining. You know, company. You know, like house. What are some of the things you've noticed here? Give us some ideas of how this is handled in a, in such arrangements. Depends. Um, there can be two homemates who. Um, well, I have a story on my website about Amy, who was just, mm-hmm. she's just punch. She's a town librarian, and she runs a book series. And as part of the book series, she um, has had the author, invited the author to come to her house for dinner. I can't remember whether before or after the talk. but mm-hmm. And she had her new homemate. Who said, I, she said, do you want to join us? And the homemate said, sure. And then what Amy discovered was that the homemate was really good at helping her entertain. So oh. <laughs> he could keep the guest company while Amy was in the kitchen or do stuff in the kitchen while Amy was with the uh-huh. And if she said it just made the whole thing so much more fun and pleasant. Nice surprise. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. So that yep. thing where she hadn't anticipated it ahead of time, but discovered that they were quite compatible at mm-hmm. having people into the house for meals. Interesting. Like that. So I think it depends. You know, it, it depends. Well, it, uh, I, I, can, I can see where this is an extremely individualized process. Yes. I'm going to start to wrap up here. I want to help my listeners understand how to find out more about what you're doing. You know, this the benefits that come from this sort of approach, considering this sort of approach, is not just cost and it's not just fighting loneliness or, you know, I see a, a tremendous social benefit as well, you know, because of the housing difficulties that face a lot of communi- communities. I've explored other housing options in my podcast episodes. Episode 17 is about co-housing, but the concept you are espousing is yeah, you know, it's a little bit different than co-housing. It's not the same as co-housing. It's an agreement between two people to share right. uh, any household that you know that they that they're talking about. And so, um, so I want my listeners to find out more. Your website is. Could you repeat the URL for your website again? Sharinghousing <laughs> Okay, and you have the the worksheets that we were talking about on your website. Yep. We can go through, I've gone through some of them. I may have one or two on my show notes page for my listeners. Um, the, they drag you through all sorts of nooks and crannies that, uh, things that even Anne Marie and I did not 
discuss here today you will see popping up on these worksheets. Um, I also like to encourage people that I have a Facebook page, which is during ah. housing. And I have a closed Facebook group called Hello Homemate. Which Hello Homemate. Designed for people who want a place to talk about their searches, what they're trying to do, people they've okay. interviewed. It's meant to be a kind of online. How do, how do, how do my listeners find that those groups? Those Facebook. Look for Hello Homemate. And that's okay. H-O-M-E hyphen. M-A-T. Okay. And then they ask to join. Okay. And so now is there anything else that I did not ask that you think would be useful here before we wind down our wonderful conversation here? Um Yeah, I was just when you were talking about the benefits of sharing housing. Yes. And company and help with with tasks. Sustainability, of course, is sort of kind of an odd mm-hmm. thing. But there's another benefit that I think is really important, especially for people as they get older mm-hmm. and less mobile and less likely to be out and about, mm. that when we live with somebody, we have the opportunity to give and to receive little things, tiny things, Hmm. daily opportunity. And I believe that it is part of our human nature and the need that we are able to give. And if we don't have that, we shrivel up. But if we have that, it's life-enhancing. So I, that's a very important point. That's a very important point. You know, to be able to live a life where you're unable to give to another human being or to receive me. And at this point, in a statement like that, I'm not sure what's more important, giving or receiving, because giving is just as important. Um, And when you're not able to do that, I would imagine that would change you inside. Living alone might produce that might produce that kind of condition inside of you, depending. If you're not able to get around, well, it's more likely that that could, that could happen. And so, so older people who want to um, open up their homes in this manner, um, you know, might receive a health benefit, a spiritual benefit, and, you know, because- and a financial benefit. <laughs> so no brainer, but of course it's not easy to to get it going, and that's what we've been talking about. What what we're combating here is people's um, people's fears about these kinds of arrangements. Absolutely, and, and yeah, you know, it's a non traditional way of approaching things, and there's a lot of fear in what could possibly be. Right, you and you've I been doing this for a long time. Careful. I want people to be very careful about whom they invite into their home. Mm. Why I want them to do a good selection process. I really and, care about that. And your book outlines that selection process, that uh, whole process. And, and there's more probably I should write about being older and doing it in a more contracted mm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, I am beginning to think about developing a um, core curriculum. That I, to help people really learn these skills in an sure. way. 
but sure. it's not there yet. It might. Like I said, I'm I'm extremely intrigued with the idea. I just you know I know my own personal requirements for intelligent communication. Yep. Unfortunately, I'm a talker. So, so intelligence communication is important to me. You know, yeah, so. and you might be very happy with somebody who's a, just a listener. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I need, I need interaction on that. But that's my own personal thing that I don't put that on anybody else. And that wraps it for episode 29 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. If you are intrigued by the concept of living with housemates, then head on over to the show notes page where you will find additional information waiting for you. You will find information about how to pick up Anna Marie's book, a number of informational videos that she has done, and other resources related to finding shared living arrangements. You can also ask questions of myself or Anna Marie on the show notes page. And of course, the show notes page for this episode can be found with the following URL. InnerGameOfAging.com forward slash IGA29. You can also join the Insiders Club to keep up to date with the changes that will be happening in the upcoming future for the inner game of aging and spreading the message of older, not old. We have more interesting topics coming your way, so subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice so that you don't miss any of the information that's bound for you. And until next time... Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lima Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's theinnergameofaging, no spaces, dot com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old.